lock and load. This is Steve Dace. The Steve Dace Show. Greetings. Happy Wednesday. Welcome to the Steve Dace Show live and on demand here on Blaze TV radio and podcast. I am Steve Dace. He is Todd Erzin. Over there is Aaron McIntyre. And you are you. Let us know what you think about what we think via the stevedace.com inbox, which you can access by emailing the show, steve at stevedace.com. That's D-E-A-C-E. You can also just look for my name, Steve Dace there on MeWe Parlor, Gab, and Facebook. You can also look for at Steve Dace Show on Getter and Twitter. And then you can look for clips that are free to watch uh, and also free of any censorship over at rumble.com slash Steve Day Show as well. Again, that is rumble.com slash Steve Dace Show. We have a traditional Wednesday show for you lined up. We will close it out with the weekly prophet of woe and lamentation, Daniel Horowitz. And we will get into that so-called JAMA study that ivermectin doesn't work. We will break that down for you, uh, as well as the Israeli data on adverse side effects from the huge frequency of Pfizer shots they have handed out over there. We'll get into those two things with Daniel Horowitz coming up here in the final segment of the show. At the bottom of the hour, we will begin our fun weekly game of buy, sell, or hold. And I'm assuming, Aaron, because we didn't play this last week with me heading off to Universal Studios, that with two weeks to think of some stuff, we are loaded for bear. Let's hope so. This week with, with some good propositions for Todd and I to consider. Um, but before we get to all of that, of course, we always begin with Aaron's rundown of what happened while we were away. What happened while we were away brought to you by the State of the Urine. I've ordered more pills than anyone in the world has. And our troops in Iraq have faced in Afghanistan have faced many dangers. One being stationed at bases breathing in toxic smoke from burn pits. <laughs> many of you have been there. Putin may circle Kiev with tanks but it'll never gain the hearts and souls of the Iranian people. The, the American Rescue Plan helped working people. One way to fight inflation is to drive down wages and make Americans poor. I think I have a better idea to fight inflation. Lower your costs, not your wages. That's basically all you missed. Moving on, Kamala Harris was asked on a podcast to explain in layman's terms what's going on with the unfolding situation overseas. I personally believe that U.S. Americans are unable to do so because uh, some people out there in our nation don't have maps, and uh, I believe that our ed- education, like such as in South Africa and uh, the Iraq, everywhere like such as. Whoops, wrong clip. Ukraine is a country in Europe. It exists next to another country called Russia. Russia is a bigger country. Russia is a powerful country. Russia decided to invade a smaller country called Ukraine. So basically that's wrong. In case you're still confused, CBS News has you covered. Transgender acceptance in Ukraine is not widespread and changing legal documents to match gender requires a long process involving psych examinations. CBS News spoke with one trans woman in Kiev who says that's why he hasn't evacuated as Russia invades. This is not a very rainbow friendly place. So lives for trans people are very bleak here. You have male gender in your passport. 
they will not uh, let you go abroad. They will not uh, uh, let you through. In other news, the website Medscape, which publishes medical information for clinicians and has been a purveyor of anti-science over the last two years, tweets, antibodies derived from natural COVID infections are more abundant and at least 10 times more potent than immunity generated by vaccine alone. That's not something we should ignore, scientists say. The CDC has now declared that the test and trace strategy for COVID is no longer recommended. An appeals court has sided with Navy SEALs who sued the Navy for a religious exemption over its vaccine mandate. A special counsel in Wisconsin has found that Facebook CEO Mark Zuckerberg's election money violated that state's bribery laws. Zuckerberg donated nearly $9 million in grant funds directed solely to five Democratic strongholds in Wisconsin that was used in get-out-the-vote efforts for Democrats and was also used for illegal ballot drop boxes. In Tennessee, Trump-backed congressional challenger for the 5th District Morgan Ortegas was asked by Nashville radio host Michael Patrick Leahy what she knows about the district she's campaigning for. What three interstate highways are located in the 5th Congressional District? Oh, I w- I'd, I'm the terrible driver. I don't know that. I don't drive anywhere oh, that I go. Okay, it's I-65, I-40, and I-24. A country music superstar, a famous multi-Grammy award-winning performer, has a popular winery in the center of the 5th District in Arrington, Tennessee. I have been to that winery. Oh, okay. The- yes, it's great. I love that winery. I bought a, I bought like a, who owns some it? wine. I don't know who owns it, but I love it. We went there for the summer and had a picnic outside. It was beautiful. Kex Brooks. No, he's a, he's a Tennessean. Yep. Um, here's one. Who was Brigadier General Robert Reese Neeland? Hmm. Fifth. Legendary Tennessee football coach. Neyland Stadium named after him. A rather well-known Confederate general, one whose name and history have been a source of enormous controversy in Tennessee the last few years, was born and raised in the community of Chapel Hill in the 5th District. Who was he? I don't know. Nathan Bedford Forrest. What Mm -hmm. county is Chapel Hill in? I don't know. Marshall County. It's in your district. And finally, the greatest moment in local television history. It's not clear what may have been taken, and no arrests have been made. A 71-year-old man is accused of inappropriately touching a 12-year-old girl at the Walmart in West Mifflin Sunday afternoon. And that's what happened while we were away. What was the name of that talk show host? Michael Patrick Lee. Brother, I gotta tell you. I have, over the course of my career committed a lot of media assassinations of fraud candidates. You guys have been witness to them both as listeners and even on this show. Yep. Yeah. And I mean, I thought I had heard or done, frankly, every possible way of assassinating in a media sense fraud Republican candidates leading up to a primary. But I got to tell you, my friend, that was a virtuoso. That was a piece de resistance. That was a magnum opus. I mean, wow. That was not a KGB radium poison your no. tea thing. That was a Mexican cartel rolling up on your place. Yes. Yes. That, I mean, that was a professional level hit, brother. 
Okay. I mean, that, I mean, I just, you're freaking John Wick, bro. Okay. I mean, that, that was a piece of art is what that was. I mean, the setup, the delivery, the questions, and you couldn't hear this because our mics were off during the montage, but when she didn't know who Robert Nealon was, I had an involuntary audible groan that you guys all heard, right? I mean, that is, you know, you do know you're in Tennessee, right? <laughs> you don't know who General Nealon was? You don't, you don't know who Robert Nealon was. You are in Tennessee. Did your staff at least not brief you on any of this? Um, I mean, that's well done. I mean, I, I have written attack ads. I have inspired them. I have, I mean, I, I mean, at the time National Review wrote that I literally murdered Mitt Romney in cold blood in an Iowa caucus, all right, out in the open. But I have never seen anything as effectively devastating as that clip was. I mean, that's, that is very well done. Uh, Aaron's montage brought to you by Bonner Private Wine. This one, though, is not owned by Kix Brooks of Brooks and Dunn fame. Okay. Again, you know you're in Tennessee, right? <laughs> okay. Um, hey, you know that wine bottle that's sitting on your kitchen counter? Uh, well, here's what the uh, traditional media won't tell you about it. Uh, the the oak flavoring, the mega purple dye, the tons of sugar that's likely inside of it. And that's not counting all the chemicals left over from vineyards that look more like oil refineries uh, than the great chateaus of old. That's why you want to go with Bonner Private Wine. They go deep into the Andes Mountains, into family vineyards, families that have been at this now for going on a second century. They know what they're doing with Malbec grapes grown at about 9,000 feet. I mean, they almost die trying, essentially, to do this wine for you. All right, so that's how good it is. Todd can attest. All of us like this. This, is, though, is Todd's Built Bar. All right, He has literally drank us at, under the counter uh, when these wines come in. I'm, I'm not making any medical... Typical wines along the line. I'm not making any medical claims or promises here. Typical wines like what you were just describing, mm-hmm. they've always left me kind of with an upset stomach. This stuff is not, though. I've had no. two or three bottles of this, and it's, it's not. Great stuff. And get half off the wine and half off the shipping right now. Uh, when you head over to BonnerPrivateWines.com slash Steve, you just got to go to the site. Don't need a promo code. Bonner, B-O-N-N-E-R, BonnerPrivateWines.com slash Steve. All right, let's let's get to it's in the montage, but I'm not doing it again today. Believe me, I am. I'm tempted, man. Chud, I could go deep inside. Com- <laughs> um, I did not. Uh oh. <laughs> What time is it? Oh, gee, we're up against a break. Uh, no, um, it's the mind of yeah. Yes, yeah. yes. I, I, I. Moving on, um, but I'm not doing that again today. I, I just I can't, especially after the last 45 seconds. So let us take kind of a meta view, right? Here's what you've. Here's what you have witnessed. Today is Wednesday now. Here's what you've witnessed. So last Wednesday is when we went on a little brief vacation for me to take a 
family break in Florida. Okay. So here's what's changed in the last week. All right. Just one week. One week. Here's what's happened. One week ago, State of the Union address would be given socially distanced with testing to get in and N95 masks, right? Yep. And we had the map for you that the CDC had out just a week ago about how over 90% of the country was in a critical state with COVID-19. That was that was one week ago. And Russia had not yet invaded Ukraine, despite Joe Biden warning us for going on two months that they would. Right? That's where things were a week ago. Yes. All right. One week later, here's where we are. Except for the remaining legal disputes about jab mandates in places like the healthcare sector and the military, it is now as if COVID never even happened. There are still some residual battles over masks in schools, but even uh, even the, uh, the the COVID fascist governor of Illinois is taking the masks out of the schools now. Joe Biden is back to being creepy Joe. Did you see him go forehead to forehead with a member of Congress last night when she started talking to him? I mean, what what was that? Do you know what that is? I mean, I know. That's creepy Joe. That's creepy Joe. Yeah. And, and you know, dementia just has a tendency to make you creepier. Okay. Um, and now suddenly nationalism and distributing weapons to the private citizenry are acceptable if it is done under the guise of a Ukrainian flag and not your own with me so far. Totally. Totally. Okay. Um, everybody that tweeted for TikTok nurses and then, then turned around and said, uh, fire the nurses. Um, uh, everybody that had a mask, um, uh, which previously it was, you could tell who had masks in their bio, uh, because they had pronouns in their bios on social media, right? Just from one stream of thought to the next, from one catchphrase, from one, from, from one milk toast served over of pablum served over, uh, you know, raw, you know, sewage of cultural rot to another. Correct. Okay. Got it. Just moved on. Same, same people herded from what's your pronoun to masks and the nurses, the TikToks that we then had to fire, of course. Uh, and COVID is not over and it can never be over. Right. Suddenly all of that migrated to, I have a Ukrainian flag now in my bio and even Occupy Democrats is tweeting out, they're, they're they're big lefties, by the way. Who they're the that's the Rashida Tlaib crowd. Who she actually gave her own response to Joe Biden's State of the Union last night. Did you see that? I did not. Yeah, yeah. She she gave her own response because it wasn't going to be left enough for her. So she gave out her own response to the State of the Union. But uh, they just migrated to Ukraine. And how 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 does this happen? And happen this fast. We were sitting here in March of 2020, around March 13th, March 16th. And in a span of about a week, it went from this is not a serious issue for the American people to cancel everything. Cancel everything. With no additional data presented. None. No additional data presented. Just that. The message has changed and wide swaths of the public and the institutions fell in line. Literally out of nowhere, hey, guys can use the women's restroom if they want. Literally, I just this, this stuff. This stuff just happens out of nowhere. 
the Super Tuesday example, resurrecting Joe Biden's candidacy out of nowhere. It was dead as a doornail. He was dead as a doornail. Within 72 hours, he's the, you know, presumptive nominee, winning in, in dominant fashion states that he never visited. How is this possible? It's possible for the same reason that many of us have suddenly found ourselves over the last year plus enjoying Bill Maher monologues. As far as I know, I I didn't come up with the phrase, you will be made to care. A lot of you keep claiming I did. I didn't. I keep telling you that Eric Erickson actually created that phrase. When, When it's somebody else's stuff, I'll give you credit. Or give them credit. But in this case, as far as I know, we were the first show, and this was going back to before you guys even came to work here, that we're, we, we were dissecting what we called at the time progressivism as essentially a religious movement and a cult and laying out how it has all the hallmarks of it. And if the church does not recognize this, if it continues to see it as a primarily partisan political vehicle, and therefore I don't want to get my hands sullied by confronting it, particularly because it will then put me in the camp of a political party that likely will just use me and hate me anyway. And that that's true, right? I mean, we know that. That's true. Okay. So therefore, I'll just ignore the whole thing. And But I'll, but, but it's not a political movement. The, the political movement is the result of its hermeneutic. And that's a theological seminarian term. We started talking about that on this show before we even came to CRTV, before CRTV merged with The Blaze. When it was me, Jen, and Rebecca doing, you know, this till midnight Eastern on Salem Radio, we were breaking that down. What we've seen, though, over the last 23 months is an acceleration, though, of proto-versions of those patterns that we were spotting early on. And they're not proto-versions any longer. It's the real thing. And I think we need to understand this because it's going to change how we see news. And it's going to it's going it's going to change how we have to discern things. And then it's going to change how we confront these things. So first with COVID and then with Ukraine. Over the last 23 months, we have shown that the chief opponent or obstacle to liberty here in the West, it's no longer a singular ideology. I, you know, I, what I'm about to share with you, I posted a version of this on Twitter in a thread this morning, and someone shared it and said, this is why you can't argue with liberals. With all due respect, if you're reverting to those terms, you didn't get my thread. We're beyond, we're, we're so far beyond that now. We're, 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 we're beyond that now. I long for the old liberals. I would, I would, I would, I would love to go back to thinking Bill Maher is an atheist hedonist with dangerous with a dangerous ideology and that he thinks people like us are religious and and shouldn't be anywhere near uh, any form of a science or philosophical academy those were the days i would love to go back to that place at least he likes to debate he wants to win the argument he invited you on his show twice he is first of all he assumes that there is an argument yeah we're not even doing that any longer i'll get to that here in a second We're not up against a singular ideology anymore. What we're up against is a collective theology. It's not a singular ideology. It's a collective theology. We're beyond now liberalism, leftism, progressivism, Marxism. We're even beyond these things now. 
I mean, we've got we've got current and former Marxists fighting it out with each other, Soros and Putin in Ukraine as we speak. We're beyond this. Know what time it is. Be a son of Issachar. Understand the times and what to do about them. This collective theology uh, is driven by those who are devoted to belonging and receiving affirmation from the spirit of the age. And it can take on a lot of different forms. It can take on the forms of John Thune coming out as a high-ranking Republican senator to condemn Lauren Boebert for berating Joe Biden last night for leaving Americans behind to die in Afghanistan. It can take on a lot of different forms, your spirit of the age. John Thune is a Republican. He's a total simp. Simp for the spirit of the age. Really, if you're voting for John Thune at this point, you might as well just, you're better off voting for Kirsten Cinema. Even in her, if you live in John Thune State, you're better off writing in Kirsten Cinema. You'll get more from her. He's just a complete tool of the spirit of the age, complete tool of it. And when someone succumbs to the spirit of the age, they will then dutifully comply with whatever it demands. Because that's the game. In other words, there are a significant amount of Westerners who have been so successfully dumbed down that they no longer wish to have the kinds of fights we used to have. There's no more critical thinking differences about ideologies any longer because there isn't any critical thinking at all. They either, they either don't know how to or even worse, don't want to. They just want to belong. And this is why you see these narratives, these scripts just flip. What's your pronoun? Stay home, save lives. Free Ukraine. I mean, how do these things just flip on a freaking dime? This is how. Uh, they no longer want to or could, even if they did, be able to govern themselves. Uh, they want to be controlled. They want it. They want to be told what to do. They were made to be ruled. They desire it. It's a fetish. At this point, we are no longer intellectually persuading people the way we used to into different beliefs and positions and certain logical assumptions and debating from there. Um, right now, we have to deconstruct groupthink. You're more St. Patrick going to pagan Ireland than Bill Buckley now, okay? You're going to places now and, and your countrymen in many places now are completely and totally worked over by a spirit of the age. Which is why they often look at you like, how come you know got tattoo? Wear the ribbon. This is why. We, we gather at the Thor tree. That's where we go. We've always done that. We go to the Thor tree. That's what we do. The Thor tree. We got to start chopping some Thor trees down before we even get to the debate. <clears throat> Pardon me. This also explains obvious contradictory positions like nationalism and, and private gun ownership in Ukraine, like we were just talking about. Great. Well, at the same time, bad here. Destructive here. It's January 6th here. But it's the stuff of the American Revolution that we don't let you learn about or teach anymore in Ukraine, right? 
This is why they have all these contradictory positions. Trump's a fascist. Give him all your guns. And we easily point these out. And then it like doesn't, you ever wondered, I point out that everything you believe is a lie and there's no response. It's because it's not a lie to them if they believe it. See, you are, you are operating from some form of epistemological integrity. You want to make sure your premise and conclusions line up as best you can within your state as a sinful human being. And so you kind of abhor hypocrisy. It doesn't exist to the spirit of the age. There is no such thing. It's not hypocrisy. It's hierarchy. Fire up the Pat Benatar. We belong. We belong. And so since we belong, we just take whatever position we take. And it doesn't matter what we said before because it's about getting the affirmation and maintaining the attachment to the collective. They do not see truth and conviction via integrity and consistency. They see it via allegiance to a hive. This is also why they instantly latch on, pardon me, to symbols, trademarks, instantly. That's the new thing. That's what we're doing now. It's because they, the desire to prove once again, I belong. That's why the positions are often little more than catchphrases. Systemic racism. Can you give me an example? Uh, yeah, yeah, America is so systemically racist. Okay, great. Can you give me an example? Defund the police. Have you thought about who arrests bad guys? Uh, defund the police. Defund them. Now we stand a year later and applaud as Biden says, fund the police, all the same people. There's no thinking happening here. You cannot intellectually debate with this. This is what Marr is struggling with. See, he came to his leftist conclusions critically. He thought things through his worldview as a self-avowed atheist libertine and came to these conclusions and now there's no order at all none now they believe all kinds of things that he used to criticize and now that's what's called being blank because you're not dealing with an intellectual debate you're dealing with programming they are so programmed that they think they're the free guy and if you haven't seen that movie you're really missing out just watched it again the other day. They think they're the free guy. They're really the um, the the NPC, the the non-playable character, just a drone filling a role, cog in the machine. And they will resent your attempts to liberate them from their own enslavement. They'll resent it because this is now a zero-sum game. Somewhere along the line, if we both agree that we that there's individual autonomy, there is individual liberty, somewhere along the line, you and you, me and Bill Maher will find some place where we will agree that we have to stall the limits of our disagreements. Otherwise, we will create a tyranny that will kill both of us, right? Somewhere we'll come to that agreement. Mm-hmm. Somewhere we will. With this, you won't. And for you to point that out to them, they resent because it forces them to critically think for the first time about who they really are and what they believe. Again, you're dealing with a cult. In the New Testament, we see Paul deal harshly 
with the sorcerer in Acts, with the Judaizers in Galatia. But then elsewhere in the New Testament, he says, hey, mercy triumphs over judgment. So what is the difference here? In the case of the sorcerer and the Judaizer, he is dealing with a cult. He's not dealing with people who are just simply lost. They're wantonly lost. They desire to be. They're trying to infiltrate, in fact. They're not opposed to what Paul is teaching. They're trying to infiltrate it in order to turn it towards what they want it to be instead. So to the sheep who are simply simply lost, Paul says, hey, words of love seasoned with salt. But to the wolf who doesn't, it's not that he doesn't know, he doesn't want to know. To him, he says, you are a son of the devil. If you love circumcision so much, cut your whole penis off and show us you're especially holy. And what does that mean? It means that that level of confrontation is what is required sometimes to wake someone up when they're so deep in their programming. They will not respond to a still small voice or a soothing voice. It will require a more confrontational one. More in a moment. So there's about 360 or so places in your body from uh, the top of your neck down to your feet called joints that are crucial for movement and getting active and remaining active, especially as we get older, but they can also be little receptors for inflammation. And that's the kind of inflammation that can cause that chronic pain that stops you from staying active as we get older, that aching soreness and lingering weakness or dullness that just won't go away. You're looking for an effective, all natural anti-inflammatory that is backed by more than two decades of clinical research in the last couple of years of my own testimony. I use this product each and every day. I take it with me whenever I travel. It's that good. It is called Omega XL. And if you want to try it today or you want to go back and try it again, buy one bottle, get a second one for free today. When you go to OmegaXL.com slash Steve, that's OmegaXL.com slash Steve, or you can call them at 800-844-4888. That's 800-844-4888. I want to put a postscript on the conversation I, I was having with you guys in the audience before the break. Because I want to make sure I make this point, and it ties into the Lauren Boebert news. All right, uh, of getting that we I mentioned a few minutes ago, getting chastised for interrupting the president last night uh, when he, you know, pretended to care uh, about the military and said, "Hey, man, you you left our people back to die in Afghanistan." And there's calls for decorum. There is no decorum with demonic doctrines. Decorum with demonic doctrines means you in and of yourself are sympathetic to them or tolerant of them, and they are not sympathetic or tolerant of you. They will play like it is a zero-sum game. Respond in kind. And confrontationalism, by the way, isn't a tone either. It doesn't require belligerence. It doesn't require that, but it doesn't rule it out either. Just as love is a motivation, so is confrontation. My motivation 
is to save that which is being lost, whether it's a country, a culture, a loved one. So I'll use the analogy that you heard me use recently when I gave the talk on Nehemiah 13 to a men's group here in town. When little Zoe ran out into the wintry parking lot at hy V, and I grabbed her harshly by the pink hoodie, when I saw her as I'm loading up groceries and I see her out of the corner of my eye and I have to react and I grab her harshly by that hoodie, that's all I can reach, and I yank her back from oncoming traffic. If you don't know the full circumstances of that event and you just happen to see that one moment, you might misread my motivations, correct? Sure. But if you understand, in context, if I don't react that way, Zozo might be lost. Might be no more Zozo. So who is the good dad? The one who doesn't act because he doesn't want to come across as harsh. Or the one who does act because at that point in time, his motivation is not how will people see me? How will they receive me? Will they like me? What will they think of me? But I need to save that precious little lamb right there, right now. And that's the only thing on my mind. Who's the better dad? The latter one. In fact, he's the only dad in that scenario. There's only one dad. There's not a good dad or a bad dad. There's just a dad. There's only one dad in that scenario. And it is the one, it is the man who acts. That's what confrontation is. It's an action, not a tone. Just because you're a belligerent doesn't mean you're confronting. It might just be a douche. There are ways to do things kinder and gentler than me. I look at what a guy like Peter McCullough is doing, certainly with more tact than I'm probably capable of. And yet it is every bit, if not more so, confrontational than what we've been doing on this show for the last 23 months. So don't get caught up in in a tone. It's not. Confrontation isn't a tone or a presence any more than love is. It's a motivation, just like love is. I'm gonna I'm gonna step on that grenade. I'm gonna step on your shibboleth of the damned. I'm gonna step on it. Some of us might step on it with a steel-toed boot. Others might step on it in heels. Others might step on it, you know, in Crocs. But now we live, folks, in a time when we must step on it. We must confront now. Do not be the person that brings these things up at family gatherings, but no longer be the person who keeps silent to keep the peace. We used to end our show with Ephesians 5.11. Have no fellowship with the darkness. Instead, expose it. Confront it. Live not by lies. Confront all error in your midst. Don't let anything go. Don't let it go anymore. We let it go for decades because it wasn't worth it. Because we had the majority sentiment in the culture. We don't anymore. So don't let it go. Because what they also want to replace our sentiments with destroys mind, body, and soul. So no. No more.
we have to confront. Sometimes we can do it gently. Sometimes we just have to act in the moment. Either way, we have to be in a mode of confrontation. Gentlemen, any thoughts on that before we move on? I love it. It fits in with the spirit of the show this year. Let's find out. Going back to the beginning of that talk and the the individual who said, this is why you can't argue with liberals. Um, I used to think three, four, five years ago, we were really breaking some new rhetorical ground on this show where we differentiated between liberals and progressives. And there is and was a difference between liberals and progressives. But I think there is even a difference now between the progressives and what we've seen over the last two years. There are progressives and there are cultists now. Now, there are very, very few that are just progressives that really believe all the crazy bat crap stuff that you see in a day in and day out on libs of TikTok and maybe are participating in that. But, but those people don't really have the stones to do anything about it. The cultists do. The cultists are the ones, the male Karens and the Karens, who have confronted you in the store every year, every day for not wearing a mask, who cajole you, who demagogue you. Those are the ones that we're, we're faced with now. Um, and there is no, as you stated, there is no arguing with them. There is just confrontation and defeat. Steel cage match. As I've alluded to before, you know, the social compact, the rules of the game. They are not even, if they're playing the same game as we are, they're, they're making up the rules. It's Calvin Ball to them. <laughs> it's Calvin Ball. They just make up the rules as they go along. <laughs> there are no rules. Nice um, you, can't, you can't play with that. You're not on the same field. You're not in the same paradigm. You're not even in the same dimension. It just must be defeated one way or another. We still have peaceable means to do that. Well, as you know, uh, I believe in this message so fervently that uh, I do what I believe. Uh, the latest to inform and I'm again, I'm one guy. The Since my daughter wrote her column it has become abundantly clear in the school district for everybody with eyes to see and ears to hear that the real bullies are from the trans mob hell was opened up because she dared to say something and so me doing what steve talked about being a dad i without apology do my dad thing since that time the school district has eliminated not one not two, but three of its Twitter handles. It got rid of its district Twitter handle. It got rid of its high school Twitter handle. And it got rid of its social sports Twitter handle. All because I used them to hold the district accountable. They would rather... The, the so, social sports one has 2,800 followers. It, for a, a relatively small district. Yeah. yeah. that's what, They'd rather have nobody talk about anything at all not showcase anything at all than have one adult hold them accountable publicly. I'm one guy. 
What can all of you do if you decide enough is enough? I'll close with this. We will confront peaceably, but aggressively now. Or we will sentence our children in the not too distant future to have to confront this by other means. And that will be our fault. Let's begin by Seller Hold, brought to you by our friends at home at Title Lock. Don't find out the hard way how much equity you've got in your home when you go to access it and it's gone because a cyber criminal found your home's title, which is pretty much the only thing we have that actually proves we own our home, found it online, hacked in, made it look like you sold your home to them on a quick claim deed, and then took all that equity and ran away. And then it cost you a small fortune to prove that you're not the one that committed the fraud here. Don't let that happen to you because it can uh, that's why you need our friends at Home Title Lock. They will protect your home's title in ways that your mortgage lender and homeowner's insurance cannot. They put a virtual barrier around your home's title so that the moment they detect any nefarious action, they mobilize to shut it down. Head over there right now at HomeTitleLock.com and use the code RADIO. HomeTitleLock.com code radio. So for buy, sell, or hold, it's been a couple weeks, so quick refresher. Uh, Aaron, usually with uh, suggestions from you in the audience, will throw towards Todd and I a series of uh, questions or issues, predictions. You and I will decide, are we buying that? Are we selling that? No topic is off limits. But if indeed we use the hold for any reason other than like, how did that even make it on the air? It's so bad. Meaning you're, you're punking out, right? Okay. You've got to you've got to join Sean Hannity in getting to the bottom of Lindsey Graham. That going to be a no from you, dog. It is dog. All right, let's begin, Aaron. All right, we'll begin with our friend and colleague Chris Pandolfo, who says Biden's poll numbers remain unchanged after his State of the Union speech. Um, I'll buy that. Yeah, bye. I mean, I could see it go up a tick or two. Just because I don't know how much more, how much lower it can go, given the current political balkanization. But I'll go back to what I said yesterday. The, the, The number I'm still waiting for is how many people watched. He did one of these last year. I don't think it was as if it, it was wasn't officially address. a state of the union. Yeah. yeah. But 27 million people watched. That's the fewest people that have ever watched a joint session uh, speech uh, from a president in the history of the presidency. Fewest ever. I want to know, so I don't really care, you know, CNN's got a poll out that shows this is the fewest people that were very um, happy with the presidential State of the Union they've done in 15 years. It, it, uh, that doesn't tell me anything. I want to know how many people are he's, he can even engage with still. Because that because it is still early enough in a term. We are still nine months away or eight months away from an election. That's an eternity. How, but how many people are is, are even willing to engage with him? That to me is the number that I want to see, and I haven't seen that yet. Yeah, I'm buying all that. All right. Next up, uh, Tyler Morgan says the over under on the amount of NCAA tournament uh, brackets that Todd will fill out this year is set at 0.5 or 1.5 if Steven acts the dude code and makes him fill out one. Oh, I did do that one year, didn't I? I it was last year, wasn't <laughs> was it? Was it last yeah. year? I forgot all about that. Um, well, you got to take the under on me. It's only one. The dude code allows only one bracket. Now, and one of my best buddies and I have argued about this for 15 years, whether I violated the dude code, because I did go in when there was a key injury to a player. I went into the bracket I'd already submitted and changed a pick. And was that a violation of the dude code? Uh, to me, I just went with better information. Yeah. But, but you know, uh, the dude code says you only submit 
one bracket. You don't have your upset bracket. This you don't is, have the cool uniform bracket. This is correct. You, you don't have a what if this happens bracket. The dude code says you get one and only one bracket. Now, if you need to change something with information that is new between, you know, when you submit it and when the games start on, you know, on Thursday, that's okay. But you only get one bracket. I believe in what you said so strongly that, yes, I do it every year. I hand it in blank. Nice. Next, uh, Jerry Davis says, by year's end, Tulsi Gabbard will announce the following. One, she's fully pro-life again. Two, she fully supports the Second Amendment. And three, she's pro-capitalism, abandoning Bernie economics. All three of those? So. I don't even know. I mean, is all of that legitimately true? We know where she's at on life, but I like what I don't honestly know what she thinks about the Second Amendment or her. Is she all in on Bernie economics? Yeah, I've not vetted her that closely on those issues no. because I wasn't being asked to vote. But for let's her. say for the sake of argument that she is all those things. There's that's not it. And why everybody loves her already if she believes those things. She doesn't need to move that far. Now, that's a good point. That, I mean, if she dude, became pro life, dude, dude, she dude. could be a a Bernie uh, economic. Honestly, if she became pro life and like marched in the march for life, but also believed that yep. in Bernie Sanders' economics, it'd be yep. like let her run for president. If, dude, I'm I might be the only guy who's ever written a number one best selling book in the history of this movement and industry who didn't get invited to speak at CPAC the following year. Tulsi Gabbard did, and not just did anything. She spoke at the Reagan dinner, the headline event. That goes to what you're saying, yeah, yeah. right? But you know what? Just for giggles, I'll buy. Because I do think that there is a level of clearance if she wanted to make these transitions. If the court rules the way that it's assumed they will on the Mississippi law later this year, for example, okay? That there will be, there is all kinds of, what we see with private gun ownership on the streets of Kiev at the moment, Right. There's all, assuming that he's accurately portrayed her, her positions, because I don't know, okay, um, there, is, there is ground for her now to, to evolve. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. The timing would be right for her to do that, particularly if she thought she might have a future in the GOP. And sh- if she did, she absolutely would have a future in the GOP. Maybe, in fact, a, a very high ceiling one, actually. Mm-hmm. We'll come back. More buy, seller hold in a moment. All right, we're back with Hour 2, live and on demand here on Blaze TV, radio, and podcast. I'm Steve Dace. He is Todd Erzin. He's Aaron McIntyre. And you are you. Let us know what you think about what we think via the stevedace.com inbox. You can do that by emailing us, steve at stevedace.com. That's D-E-A-C-E. Like us on Facebook. Follow us on Twitter, at Steve Dace Show. Look for me as well on MeWe Parlor, Gab, and Getter. And then look for us on rumble.com slash Steve Day Show if you actually want to look at us. You can get clips of the show there uh, that are free and also free of censorship at rumble.com slash Steve Day Show. If you are a podcast listener, we appreciate you. You've been a huge part of our show's continued surge of audience and growth. Please keep it up. Leave us a five-star review if you like us. If you don't, keep it to yourself. But if you kind of like us, totally exaggerate. All right, leave us a five-star review and then hit subscribe or follow for us as well. If you've yet to do that, do that. thank you to the thousands upon thousands of you that have done those two things for us 
already. Part two of Buy, Sell, or Hold is brought to you by our friends over at Patriot Mobile. When you have the opportunity to do business with people who share your values, which unfortunately we don't have a lot of those opportunities today, but when it presents itself, take full advantage of it, please, especially because pretty much all of us need a mobile phone in order to thrive in modern day America. That's why you want to line up with our friends over at Patriot Mobile. And I get it. I put it off literally for years to switch over. I thought this is going to be a huge hassle. Well, you know, I just, I was lazy. Finally bit the bullet last fall. We did it. Got all the same exact coverage we got from T-Mobile. Even used the occasion to upgrade a couple of our phones at the exact same time. And now I know I'm not directly funding my enemy at the exact same uh, point. Uh, Wasn't there a story last week about T-Mobile was censoring text messages? Yeah. Okay, if you were trying to spread uh, a little uh, non-narrative regime-approved truth on the jab, they were trying to stop you from texting it? Don't put up with that crap, guys. Okay, get over to Patriot Mobile right now. If you're a veteran or first responder, let them know. They'll give you even bigger savings as a way of saying thank you for your service. They've got deals going on all of the time. Uh, For example, right now with the offer code Steve, get a free activation with the offer code Steve when you go to PatriotMobile.com slash Steve. PatriotMobile.com slash Steve or call them at 972-PATRIOT. Little postscript on the conversation we were having about Jerry's buy, sell, or hold proposition on Tulsi Gabbard. Because mm-hmm. we had, I thought we had a really fascinating conversation amongst the three of us during the break. I'm calling the shot right now, okay? Trump's running mate in 2024 because he's going to be the nominee provided he's healthy enough and we're still around as a people. He'll be the GOP nominee. The nominee, his VP nominee is going to be a woman. Of course. The entire campaign is going to be about, we've got, we have to reclaim particularly the suburban women that we hemorrhaged in 2020. We have to bring them back into the fold. And so the VP nominee is going to be a woman. I, I don't think you'll see as much of the soft-headedness on the race baiting, and that might have helped a guy like a Tim Scott previously, but I think the Trump people realized, hey, man, we emptied the prisons of criminals, and we still got George Floyded and rioted to death anyway. So, in fact, I think, if anything, I think you'll see Trump come back with more of a Nixonian you know, drop a hammer on everybody in the cities kind of a message. I think it'll be, I could see him Southern strategy, America's cities, if you know what I'm trying sure. to say. I think that's more likely than sort of the, uh, the, the, the Koch brothers. Let's let everybody out of prison and show them we're not racist. Cause apparently it's racist to put criminals away. Um, I don't think you're going to hear that this time. Um, and I think that they're very comfortable and the GOP, even without Trump now, continues in all the polling I'm seeing to make solid inroads with Hispanics who are growing increasingly frustrated to angry with the Democratic Party's leftward lurch. So I think everything's going to be about bringing back those suburban women. That's why Kim Reynolds gave the uh, State of the Union response last night. We will discuss that, by the way, in the overtime today after the show. We'll tape that at blazetv.com slash dace. Our governor will break that down and uh, what we thought, how we thought she did or heard from others she did. But that's why she spoke. If Tulsi Gabbard made the evolution on the issues that Jerry there talked about, I, I think, I mean, she'd be house money to be the, 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 the nominee for VP. I mean, the idea of Trump, I'm sure would love the idea of having her out there, first of all, sicking her on Kamala Harris, given what we know about the two of them already. But secondly, having her out there to say, I didn't leave the Democratic Party, it left me. 
they became so radical that now look at you know that they left me on the side of the road we had to bring the country back more into the mainstream and and the three issues that he talked about by by the way there is ample ground to evolve on those issues now if you want it is it is possible if not likely that the supreme court is going to make some form of roe v wade irrelevant at some point this year right mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. she can just simply say hey courts have spoken on this you know and we and we have technology now about abortion and things of that nature See what I'm saying? There, there, there will be, on guns. Hey, didn't we see what happened on the streets of Ukraine when the brave people of Kiev and these Ukrainian cities held off Russia for days and weeks longer than was expected because they were armed? You know, I mean, I, I, again, I don't know what her positions on those things are because I've never had to vet her on that level. And I think we're kind of assuming because she's a Democrat that those are her positions, which frankly, those are the positions of the majority of Democrats. But if if she were to evolve, the timing is right to evolve rightward on those issues without looking opportunistic completely or craven completely. And I think she would be number one with a bullet, no pun intended, because she's also a veteran, on Trump's VP list. Absolutely, I think she would be. And I think Reynolds would be on that list. Noam, I would have said a year ago, prior to her blowing the trans issue, she would be clear number one on that list. She's still on the list. But if Noam had not blown that issue last year, she would have given that response last night. She clearly would be the one getting groomed right now to be Trump's number two. She still might be, okay? But but if you're looking at who Trump's running, it's not going to be Ron DeSantis. If you know anything, if you follow Trump's career, he loves to be surrounded by strong, particularly beautiful women. Not really cool and keen about being surrounded by strong alpha men. So it won't be DeSantis. It's going to be one of the women, the strong women that I just articulated, or somebody else we haven't thought of. Nor will it be with Nikki Haley. His base hates her. Um, she spoke out against him, blamed him for January 6th. Won't be her either. All right. It's going to be, it's going to be somebody like Reynolds Gabbard. If she makes the evolution we talked about, um, still gnome. And there's probably a couple of other names out there that we haven't thought of yet. Even if Tulsi Gabbard made some kind of evolution, it would still be wasted there. I want her, uh, put in charge of our uh, intelligence apparatus and just gut that place. She's got the appetite for it. Yep. Continuing it on. All right. Uh, buy, sell, or hold. Uh, Dan Lathrop says, uh, Mount Rushmore of best days for sports. Uh, NFL Championship Sunday, Masters Sunday, day one of the NCAA tournament, MLB opening day. I got to sell. I'm fine with Masters Sunday, day one of the NCAA tournament. Guys, we take that off every year. and That's a holiday on this show. We'll be taking it off again here in a couple of weeks. So that's a yes. But... I mean, the opening Saturday of college football or rivalry weekend on college. When we were growing up, we would have said New Year's Day, okay? With the nine bowl games and, uh, you know, Notre Dame one year, Miami another year could go from like rank number five going into the day to being number one at the end and winning the championship. Mm -hmm. That's gone now, okay? That doesn't exist anymore, you know? So the opening Saturday of college football or rivalry weekend of college football, one of those two has to be on the list, okay? And... I mean, I, I, you got to put Super Bowl Sunday ahead of the NFL, NFC, NFL Championship yeah. Sunday. If I don't anything, know if that's what he meant. If maybe. anything, you put the divisional, if you were going to put a playoff weekend, you'd put the divisional round where you've got the, the two doubleheaders, the same, you know, in, the, in each league. But, but Super Bowl Sunday, that's the most watched event in the world. Okay. It's America's secular holiday that has to be on the list. 
And I think either rivalry weekend or the opening weekend of college football has to be on the list. But I'm fine with uh, MLB opening day, and I'm I'm fine with Master Sunday. Yeah, I'm I'm selling. Ma- Master Sunday would not be on my list. There's nothing wrong with it, but it would not be on my list. And something college football related certainly would be. Oh, and the NCAA tournament opening day has to be on the list. Yep. Yeah. Yep. Uh, Tyler Helford is back to sow more division amongst the brethren. Uh, he says, <laughs> Mary is the mother of God. Oh, why, why is this divisive? Yeah, I don't know what I don't. <laughs> am I missing? Am I unaware of something? I don't understand why this is divisive. Um, isn't this a Catholic Protestant divide, Todd? I don't know. You tell that me. Mary's the mother of, of, of God. You guys, if it is, it's not. It's something I'm not aware of. I, I, I'm. I mean, I would, I would define a mom, the female being who carries a child to term, get, and delivers it, and then nurtures it to adulthood. Right? Is that that's how we would define a mom? Is that the definition of a mom? Then, I mean, I could see if you don't believe Jesus is God. If you're LDS or if you're Jewish and don't believe, non-Messianic Jewish and don't believe he's the Messiah, I could see why you might sell on this. But unless there is a part of this that I don't understand, this seems pretty easily to easy to affirm. If you're any form of Christian orthodoxy. So I would buy. Of course. Okay. Moving on. Uh, Joseph Fish says the greatest economic challenge of coming generations will not be monetary inflation, but rather population deflation. That is a buy. That's a buy. I mean, we're, we're in a population depopulation zone as a people right now. And that's one of the answers. The other day on the Q&A, somebody asked me, hey, they're not handing out all the freebies they were before. Why are, they, why are there still all these help wanted signs? This is one of the reasons why, okay? Um, and so get ready for more arguments about we've got to import a bunch more illegals to do the work that Americans won't do as opposed to that Americans won't do at the price point you would like us to do it at or the fact that we've just killed 60 million Americans here in the last generation before they were born. So I would absolutely buy that. It's even worse in Western Europe. Um, I'm, that's an absolute buy, yeah. I got, I got to sell, man, because President Biden... It's just so smart in the State of the Union yesterday when he says, come on, man, it's, the problem isn't paying people more. Just cut your costs, man. <sighs> like, like, why didn't any business think of that? Just cut your costs. Oh, now we just cut our costs. Yeah. Our vendors will be okay That's... with that. Our suppliers will be fine. Hey, we'll just call up our vendors and suppliers. Hey, just so, we, we heard the president last night. We decided to cut our costs. Yeah. Just wanted to let you know. So we'll be sending about 30 or 40% less next month yeah. on receivables and accounts payables than, you were, uh, than, than you're accustomed to. So God bless you. Quality is meaningless. Yes. Just, you know, sell them just cheap junk. Hey, bring it down to that level and just pay everybody more because that's how the economy works. Don't you know you're Adam Smith? Good grief. That guy's the president of the United States. He actually said that. Pay people more. Uh, Moving on. Stephen Barham says, five headlines for the next news story after Ukraine. Five, nuclear fallout is the price of freedom. Four, 15 days to flatten the curve for COVID-23. Three, digital currency is the only way to end hyperinflation. Two, aliens claim they come in peace. And one, millions mysteriously disappear overnight. Oh, my. (laughs) 
Have you been working with Alexander Rogers? Yeah. I like it. Bye. Yeah. Uh, moving on, John Baxter says Major League Baseball will play at least 81 games this year. God, That's just... <laughs> so at least half a season. I love that. I love it. It was 81. It was like, you know, they, they've canceled, what, the first six games? Yeah. But I love, like, he didn't even say, like, the first month. That's great. It's what I... My pet... Uh, my love is so, so gone. On so many levels for this. This robot umpires, you're just like, you're all morons. You're all morons. So I'm curious where you're at on this because it's clear that the Players Association has decided that after giving in on their view, is they've given in on pretty much everything since the 1994 shutdown, that this is the year now that they're going to get back what is rightly owed to them. You buying that? No. No, you're not? No. I'd like to hear it. Have you heard from Schilling at all? Uh, a little bit. But I not haven't much. heard anything. I don't know what it is. And and I'll well, do respect as much as I love Kurt. We've been a little preoccupied with things much yeah, more important yeah. than yeah, whether yeah. there's the MLB, well, the millionaires versus the billionaires. But even if that's true, and I think it it's on that side of what the fifty fifty divide. Yeah. I, I, I know what time it is. This. It's not the national pastime anymore. We just went through COVID. Do you have any sense of proportion or perspective at all? You're giving people reason to give up on your sport. You, yes, you might have to swallow that pill again and again and again, you're, but you're millionaires nonetheless. The, the, giving anybody the impression that you're part of a victim class is going to make people sick. Know what time it is. Even if they're right... The owners don't have to go face the public. They have a commissioner that they pay a lot of money mm-hmm. to go out there and, and be their symbolic douchebag, right? Mm-hmm. It's the players. And then whenever this ends, it's the players that then have to go back out there and re-embrace the public. And, and yeah. even if theoretically or economically, they are correct. The idea that, well, and I don't know what the numbers are, because again, I've, I've got data on life and death situations mm-hmm. I'm following. But let's say, just throwing numbers out there, let's say they get 30, 35% of revenues, and they're saying, hey, we're the players, we should get a majority, 51, mm-hmm. okay? The idea that you're going to be able to sell to people as they're paying $6, 6 bucks for a gallon of gas, 10 bucks yeah. for a pound of bacon, all right? See where I'm going with this? Yeah. Hey, guys, you know... We're only getting thirty nine percent of a of a of a nine or ten billion dollar war chest, and we're certainly owed fifty one. I, 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 I'm not sure that that's the, the timing for this. Is now when we're going to make our stand? Do you know who, what I'd be doing right now? Buying stock in the USFL. That's what I'd be doing. No baseball at all. Oh, you know what I'm saying. And, it, and 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 they're going to start the right time after the draft and the NSA tournament. They're they're not going to start this in January. I kept remember the last couple of years. I couldn't understand mm-hmm. why would you start this right after the Super Bowl? We've already reached our culmination. Mm-hmm. You know now you, you want you want to start it again right as that yearning to get back to football begins after the draft is over and everything else. That's about the time the USFL is going to start. Networks are going to need. They're going to need inventory. They're going to carry those games, man. They're going to get a lot of exposure. If it's any kind of a good product at all, there's going to be interest in it because there's not going to be anything else on. The NBA, yeah. because, well, Steve, there's the NBA. 
Have you seen their ratings? Yeah. I mean, they have already torched. They've already made the mistakes you're talking about, yeah. all right, in the they, NBA. They have diff- problems for different reasons. Here, the, the great thing with the, the gal running for uh, Congress in Tennessee that you just highlighted at the yeah, beginning of the show, us, yeah. just need a level of, that level of embarrassing them. You need to go into that, that meeting with the, and here's what the owners, they know this about their product. You, you sample a thousand random people in this country and you ask them who Mike Trout is mm-hmm. the greatest player in the game. He's been a little injured lately, but up until recently he was, you, you know how few people will know who I, Mike I, Trout I could, is. I couldn't pick him out. Like if he's walked down the street by me, yeah. I would not know. And pick I know his like stats, but yeah. I would know what pick he looks some like. Other players too. That's nobody yet. You're still, you should feel lucky that you make the amount of money you continue to make because you're not popular as individuals. People don't know how you are. You are, uh, I joke about the coattails all the time. You are on the coattails of a legacy that goes back a hundred plus years, all the way to Babe Ruth and all that. Be lucky, be blessed that you have this. And hopefully we strike lightning and we fix this thing. And it's, there's better years ahead. But this is preposterous. Absolutely preposterous. Next up, uh, Horace P. Uh, Paste. I'm sorry, I butchered your last name. The president of Ukraine looks like Mr. Bean. I could buy that a little bit. Yeah, I see it a little. Sure, can buy it a little. I love Mr. Bean, so I'll, I'll allow it. Mini Bomber says Hillary making the rounds on mainstream media signals. She's going to make another run at POTUS. Buy. I could buy that. Yeah. I mean, what, what do you do with your life? What else? If you're, if you're, if you're part of the discontented generation, there has never been a generation less contented with its place in the culture or the world than the boomer generation. That's what led to the counterculture to begin with. And that's what has led to just going on, preserve ourselves and go on and on and on and on and on and on and on. What else is she going to do? She's abandoned, she's abandoned the, the, the traditional roles set for her during this stage of life. She's already turned her back on that. So what, so the idea of being grandma Hillary, that's what she's going to do. No, she's not. Not to mention the arrogance of we need them. I mean, we, 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 we couldn't possibly figure out how to get across the street without, without a carcass of a generational carcass just preserving itself on and on and on and on and on and on it goes. I mean, <laughs> she's part of a generational counterculture that is bound and determined to finish off, finish what it started, which is finishing off this country. So the only thing stopping them is death, man. That's it. The only thing stopping them is eventually the death rate is 100% for everybody, right? Mm-hmm. Short of that, boomers for evs, bitches, get used to it. Next, we have a list from Sean Griffith's top five crazy theories of what the UFOs actually are from least crazy to most crazy. Oh, this is good. We haven't had, we haven't had this conversation in a few months. Let's do it. All right. Uh, least crazy. They are military uh, experimental crafts from the U.S. or another country that has tech way beyond what they're telling us. I'm going to sell. I thought this was a plausible theory for a while. But, I, I mean, you mean to tell me that if... <laughs> 
Xi and Putin had this kind of technology, they wouldn't be using it. Of course they would have. So um, on this one, I'm selling. Okay. I'm selling also because it, 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 it would have to go back way back because this is all tied into what happened in when Steve, you know, the, the, when was the heyday of all this, the forties, the fifties, oh, the Roswell in like 47. Yeah. But it's all connected. It's all of a piece with one another. When you it, it, and I only know that because of what you made me watch multiple times, Steve. <laughs> Number four, they're actual real crafts of extraterrestrial or extra-dimensional beings. So I think that is m- more possible. I don't think it's likely, but I think it's more possible than the f- than the previous one. So I will buy. Number three, it's all fake and it's just the beginning of a big psyop the U.S. government has for some future nefarious means, like my uh, Mysterio theory. Bye, 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 bye. I, I'm going to sell on this. I, I, to me, I think that there's, 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 there's too much credible, inexplicable activity for that. And, and so I'm going to sell on that. But you'll believe it. As soon as people get too bored of this whole Russia-Ukraine thing, instantly this is going to stop and we'll have magical, uh, uh, what's his nut, Mysterio? Yeah, it, I mean, it'll it'll come on like that. Were you about that. to say, what's his nuts? You should have just gone with that. I would have liked that better. <laughs> Go ahead. Who's the Fauci in that scenario? That's what I want to know. Uh, number two, demonic deception. To me, this is the most likely scenario because it, it, it in, in fact, I think it's overwhelmingly the most likely scenario. What do you specifically mean by that as it applies to UFOs? Because it, it answers, it checks every box. But what is it? What okay. Do, what, what are, wh- Physical manifestations of nefarious yes. demonic force. Okay, I yes. just wanted yes. to be clear exactly. What and here's mean. why it checks every box. Just like I said a minute ago, the, I, I just don't believe it's all a hoax. There's too many quality images and videos of inexplicable movements of flying objects. There's just too many of them. But on the other hand, have you ever noticed, though, we have a lot of great video of the crafts. We don't have any great video of whoever's supposedly piling them. You ever notice that? Don't you find that a little interesting? We have all kinds of great video of inexplicable maneuvers by the crafts. We don't have a lot of great video of whatever or whomever is actually piloting these things. Don't you think that's interesting? Yes. And see, this would answer that question. The idea that we would encounter all of these crafts, I mean, because we have cameras now that are way beyond what we had in the 40s and 50s. Everybody's got 4K, 8K on a phone now. The kinds of images we're capturing, the kinds of images that are in Pentagon videos are not explicable. But then how is it possible that we have all these 4K and 8K phones? We're all walking around with one of these. And no one's ever encountered, no one's got, no one's got 4K, 8K of any of the things that are actually piloting these things. What are the odds of that? Every bit as astronomical as the odds that every single one of these things is a fraud. Not, the odds are no way. So my th- my, to me, the overwhelmingly most likely scenario is demonic deception. That would explain both violations of natural laws of these flying, flying apparatuses and also the lack of of clear identification of who's actually doing the piloting. So that is why I believe that would explain people talking about being invaded violently 
by these kinds of beings as well, violated by them. To me, it checks every box of every particular theory is that one. Buy it. And number one, they're actual crafts from highly advanced hidden nation states or a state that is finally ready to reveal itself. For example, Atlantis, Wakanda, or my favorite, the Lost Ten Tribes of Israel. No. Well, the Lost Ten Tribes of Israel were eradicated. That's why they were lost. Like, they didn't, like, fall into the sea like Atlantis. Or were they, Steve? Okay. Um, <laughs> they didn't fall into the sea like Atlantis. They didn't, um, you know, mistakably find their way into the Bermuda Triangle. Um, no, they were eradicated as part of the judgment of God, the ten northern tribes were. They were eradicated by, um, uh, uh, by the Assyrians. And what was left of them that were not eradicated, women and children, the Assyrians just took as bounty. So, I mean, the, the lost 10 tribes of Israel were lost because they were like written out of the book of life for their um, uh, idolatry. That's why they were lost. I still love this guy's plucky optimism for believing this is possible in a world where CBS just ran that story about the trans guy in Ukraine. So <laughs> what's the what? what yeah. that, yes, well put. Yeah, and on that note, I'll, I'll stop taking any of that seriously. Let's just move on. I love this one. This is from I Have Questions. Who says, if AI, artificial intelligence, tried to write a new Tom Clancy novel, oh boy. it would look like this Ukraine invasion. <laughs> oh, wow. That's that's a good one. And and then and then we just wait to see what the plot twist is yeah. at the end. Yeah. Yeah, I'll buy. Yep, bye. Next, Joseph Peaton says, uh, Mount Rushmore of most annoying college basketball play-by-play analysts um, for... Steve Lapis and Pete Gillen. Oh, they're the same person. That's great. I don't know who these. I don't know. Who La- those two they're are. okay. I don't think Gillen's very good. I just saw Gillen yeah, last but, weekend. Uh, he's a, you know I'll sell. I don't, I'll sell. I'm not annoyed. I just don't think Gillen's that good. Lapis is a lot better. Number three, Bill Raftery is a national treasure. Yeah, yeah. I, you you yeah. shut your mouth. Exactly. Okay. I, exactly. Yeah. Uh, number two, Bill Walton. That one. I see. I see him like I, one time a year, and that's over in Hawaii. It seems. Like. I, I'll, I'll buy on that one. I think I, I like the shtick for about five, ten minutes. Two hours of it, man, is way too much. I'll buy that one. SL, I might be annoyed if it was doing my game, but if I'm watching another game, it just adds another layer of flavor to uh, it. it. It annoys me. Number one, Dick Vitale. I'm going to sell. 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 I've I'm met him several board. times. He was very kind to me early in my sports talk radio career. I've seen him interact with fan. I mean, it's not an act. Okay? It's not an act. That is... The dude just has a sincere love for life. And I get it. You know, the Duke Vital thing and all that stuff can can get grading after a while. But there it's it, it's I can't think of an announcer. That has been more of an ambassador in evangelizing his sport and its exposure than Dick has from the dawn when he got fired by my Pistons and worked started 10 minutes later at the dawn of ESPN. Mm-hmm. I mean, he has essentially been college basketball as a sports biggest cheerleader. I, I will sell on that. All right, moving on. Agreed. Um, Truth over Vax says no pharma CEO will ever be called to testify to a congressional committee. Even if GOP wins back house and Senate. I'm selling. I'm going to sell based on doesn't mean what? they'll show up. But I mean, I, I could see a summons. You bet I could. Yeah, I'll I, sell. I think Senator Johnson's got it in him. I'm going to sell on that. That's it. Were your, uh, were your expectations satiated? Those weren't bad. I'm sorry. I was just 
pausing about the idea of a hidden civilization. I had not considered that one before. Okay. Wakanda forever. <laughs> All right, we'll come back. The Weekly Prophet of Woe and Lamentation, Daniel Horowitz, will join us next. Still get plenty of requests for help from those seeking it, if indeed, because uh, COVID is not over. And, and we're still left with the same moral dilemma I've talked about for months on this program. We don't know the long-term ramifications of either even an, an asymptomatic exposure to this malicious origin virus or um, the, uh, the ineffectual to potentially malicious jabs being continuously exposed to those. We don't know. That's why, again, so the system may want to move on because it can't handle um, the fact that we're done with it any longer. But that doesn't mean COVID itself as a virus, as a disease, is over. So make sure uh, you stay in touch with mygotodoc.com. Dr. Saeed Hader is there. He has treated thousands uh, successfully, thousands upon thousands of COVID patients. It's all he does with his private practice now. All right, so keep this website in mind in the future. Because just as if you, just like you couldn't trust them when they wanted to use the virus for power to give you the early treatments that were available to you, that probably killed hundreds of thousands of people, you certainly can't trust them now that they know that continuing to acknowledge COVID uh, threatens their power. They want to ignore it. Yet you can't trust them on the other end either. All right. So mygotodoc.com is where you want to go. Keep that handy. And mygotodoc.com. That's a good segue to what I want to talk about this week with the weekly prophet of woe and lamentation, Daniel Horowitz. It's good to have you back on the program, brother. How are you? Well, Steve, we've had better days, put it that way. <laughs> There's two things I wanted you to address on the program this week. Um, one is the the JAMA study about a week and a half ago out of Malaysia, where, you know, all great random controlled studies come from Malaysia where they can't find airplanes, but apparently we can trust them to uh, tell us whether a a treatment saves lives or not. But here within the vast medical establishment here in the wealthiest country on earth, we can't do an actual study along those lines ourselves that's transparent. But I, I was listening and watching recently as you broke down that study's attempt to smear ivermectin as not an effective treatment against COVID and I wanted you to give our audience just kind of a, you know, a, a, the Cliff's Notes, the Sparks Notes version of what you spent a good hour on your podcast doing. Well, show me a study design and I'll get you any result you want. And that's the name of the game. So first off, obviously, you know, I've had the Pfizer whistleblower on my show uh, that worked for Ventavia that did a clinical trials in three of their locations. And she downright saw a fabrication of data. So the notion that you could even trust anything from Malaysia is whatever. But going through their printout in JAMA, it's a classic example of what they've been doing to us all along. Uh, Let me just say this. The WHO has a score from zero to nine of severity on progression of COVID, Um, you know, one being asymptomatic and nine being deaf, I guess. Um, Four is where hospitalization starts. They said this was going to be an early treatment study. It's efficacy for early treatment. And and the endpoint would be the progression 
to what they determined as severe illness. But when you read what they did, in fact, it was a mid-level, moderate COVID study, and the endpoint was also somewhere in that same zone. So in the WHO scale, it was about 0.4 is where it started, four, and ended at five. So four is hospitalization. Steve, hospitalization is not early treatment. So this That's is key. This moderate. is key. When we have talked about whether it's hydroxy, ivermectin, budenicide, all these various entities and cocktails, famatidine, all these things that are out there that often work with one another, not just in singular, but as a cocktail in accordance with other similar effective uh, prophylaxis out there. We, we discuss this as the form of er effective early treatments. Doesn't mean they that once you're hospitalized, it can't help you at all. But the longer we get beyond those beginning stages, yep. the less efficacious these things are. We have never sold them as yep. acute, serious cures. We've never, ever talked about that. They've always been yep. discussed as uh, primarily effective prophylaxis. So your point is, right away, this study is a fallacy because it is testing a capability of these drugs that we've actually never even claimed as their advocates. 66% in their sim, 100% had at least one comorbidity, many, many. So they made it, it's all comorbidity study, which is fine. You want to see what works for them, but just know that it's a comorbidity study. These were sicker people. 66% had COVID lung on the um, x-rays already at, that, at the starting point when they were given uh, the ivermectin or the placebo group where they were given whatever standard of care is. So right off the bat, Paxlovid and Molnupiravir, which are the two approved drugs, could would never have even gotten off the, the ground. They're all given earlier, and they're approved for for earlier. The trials were the first 72 hours, right? That, you know, right off the ground, they would have flunked it. Okay, so that's what it is. Then they had more obese people in the ivermectin arm, and they said, lo and behold, there was no reduction in progression to severe illness. What was the progression, Steve? It was some form of non-invasive oxygenation. Basically, a, a score four to a score five. Four and five are almost synonymous. If you go to the hospital with COVID, almost always you're going to wind up being on nasal cannula. That's usually why you're there, sometimes for dehydration. So it's almost synonymous. But here's the thing. So they said it failed. But then they put in there but there's a secondary outcome that's not their primary outcome. It's kind of important, Steve. It's mechanical ventilation and death. Hmm. Okay? Mechanical ventilation and death. 70% reduction in mortality in the ivermectin group, albeit they made sure it was underpowered, meaning there weren't enough people to get the 95% confidence interval that is the industry standard, it was 91. So in other words, in plain English, based on their study, there's a 91% chance of a 70% reduction in mortality for a group of 100% people with uh, at least one comorbidity, 66% already had COVID long, 100% started treatment in the hospital, and it was monotherapy, no, no budesonide, methylpred and any of the other supplements and uh you know all the other anti-inflammatories anticoagulants that these doctors like to use because we want to get a hundred percent achievement so that is what literally it says 70 percent reduction it's a little bit underpowered and they made sure to do that just so today, the underpowering just to our audience understands 
by underpowering the study, they either are showing they're not good at this or they specifically were gaming for an outcome. They were trying to undersell. They were trying to set the product up to fail. Similar to uh, earlier this year or late last year, I think it was The Economist put out a poll. No, yeah, it was The Economist or YouGov and The Economist put out a poll that showed Joe Biden's approval rating was like 45%, but it was plus 16 Democrat. So if you, had to, if you had to go plus 16 Democrat to get a 45% approval rating, and I said at the time, what is it when you do an actual poll, a real one, okay, that might be more in line with the actual breakdown of the electorate, okay? That's that's essentially what they were doing with this. They were creating a metric where it would it would appear to fail, and yet even within that metric, it still succeeded. And I mean, I mean most of these are most of these studies that we cite around the world and are, are somewhere between about a 60 to 70% effectiveness. So even with their underpowering, it still ended up performing pretty much what it has every time else it's been looked at. Amazingly. And again, this was over Delta. Steve, you take obese people that didn't get treatment pre-hospital, they come in, they already have COVID lung, their SATs are dropping, you only give them ivermectin and nothing else with Delta obese, you're not going, you will have to be on oxygen. And mm-hmm. and we literally experienced this clinically, everyone we dealt with, you will have to be on oxygen and you are going to have a long recovery. It's going to take time, but you will survive m- much more often. And then obviously the more things you add, the closer you get to a hundred percent. Studies have been done on Merck's drug at this stage and it was 0% reduction. And yet that's approved um, and funded $2 billion from the government. And also, Steve, just today in the International Journal of Infectious Diseases, there was a large sample, not a trial, but a retrospective cohort study that looked at people in America, University of Miami researchers, who had ivermectin, and this is also hospitalized, I think, ivermectin and not remdesivir versus remdesivir and not ivermectin. Found that 70% mortality reduction so comparing them straight up to one another yeah so in other words this the fact that this was done in malaysia with a bunch of people uh that no one's ever heard of that was underpowered and they set up comorbidities with an underpowered sample to set this thing up to fail and yet it still came through at pretty much the same percentage it does every time everywhere else it's been studied but they knew no one was going to read beyond the headline that's and, and that in, in the in the world of twitter and and chirons that no one was going to read beyond the headline so they could have literally put any data they wanted in there and just slapped a headline and they would have gotten the result very similar by the way to what has happened with the jabs right how many people actually read what was going on in those studies how many other other than just Pfizer claims 95% effectiveness in the latest round of human trials. Well, Israel has come out with some data recently about adverse the rate of adverse side effects now because they're on a fourth round of jabbing their population within one calendar year. Tell us about what's going on there. So the Israeli Ministry of Health, they surveyed about a little bit more than 2,000 Israelis uh, within 30 days of getting... Uh, the the booster shot. Okay, so this is one shot. They found 4.5% of all people had nervous system disorders. Mm. Um, a half a percentage had Bell's palsy. I, I want you to understand what a half a percent. This is dosages. 
a half a percent who had the third dose. In America, 551 million doses have been given out. Almost six billion nation, almost like six billion planet wide. Um, 0.3% were hospitalized within 30 days. Wow. That would be, again, over 2 million people in America, which, which uh, you know, would, would make sense. Um, 25% who had autoimmune diseases, they had reactivation of those. It honed in on all the issues. And Steve, this was just within 30 days. What we're finding out now is that so many of the bigger concerns occur much later. Um, gradually, the, the, the latent heart inflammation, um, the microclotting, and now the cancers. Um, and, and at a minimum, it found a good, I'm forgetting the percentage, a met, like a third, were knocked out and couldn't perform their functions. Now, okay, that's more like a flu-like thing, but for, especially when you're talking about younger people, that's the upper bounds of what they often get COVID. So what's, what's the point? Um, and then it jives with, it's it's kind of like a grouping, you know. You know, a gun is accurate when you get grouping in your in your uh, practice at the range. You have the DMED data, the VAERS data, the German health insurance, the American life insurance companies. They're all coalescing around the same thing. Now we have Pfizer's own leaked documents that they had 1,200 deaths just in a few months of surveillance, and 90,000, Steve, 90,000 categories of adverse events that they disclosed in that document. It takes up nine pages. I trust someone told me it's 90,000 or so. They counted it somehow. Um, I mean, this is this is absolutely nuts, but it doesn't matter. Nothing matters. Nothing matters anymore. Um, we have whistleblowers that have crazy stories, and I can't tell them we could even do anything with it. It could have hemlock in the shots, and it won't matter. Because Ukraine and Zelensky, you know, why should that matter when we have Zelensky, right? The truth always matters and we'll do our best to make it matter. Good to see you, my friend, as always. God bless. Take care. Take care. It can be a challenging time to get into the real estate market. The Fed reiterating earlier this morning, higher interest rates are coming, right? So if you feel that clock is ticking, you want to make that deal before those higher interest rates arrive. Make sure you go in during these unprecedented times Bing. with a real estate agent you can trust and you would find them on the website that has the name realestateagentsitrust.com. You might be like, how do I know I can trust that website? Well, if you're watching us, I'd guess you, you know, trust our uh, patriarch Glenn Beck at least a little bit, right? I mean, this is a company that him and his associates, uh, they created because they were concerned about running into real estate agents. They found out too late. They could not trust. They wanted that trend to end and so they started this referral service and just about anywhere you want to move to or from, we can hook you up with one of these, a real estate agent you can trust at realestateagentsitrust.com. Some final thoughts on today's events. Well, Daniel's right about the nothing matters uh, comment in as much as it doesn't matter within the framework of getting things done, noticed, accomplished of the past, which means you have a choice to make. And it is a simple choice. It may lead to hard things, but it's still a simple choice. You need to play a different game. You need to play to win at an entirely new level than you ever have before. And if you aren't willing to do that, you deserve to lose and lose hard. It's on you.
no matter whether you're an R or a D or whatever you think you are. Hmm. It's, uh, it's tempting to fall into uh, one of two ditches right now. One ditch is, all right, COVID stand, COVID stand is over. I can just kind of relax for a little bit and go back to normal. The other ditch is, uh, oh, Ukraine. That, that's the other ditch. Um, stay focused. The same forces that brought you uh, the greatest hits like COVID Stan and George Floyd and Ukraine are just going to keep, as Steve has pointed out, re-racking this playbook over and over and over again. It's just going to look different each time. And yeah, the media is going to move on to the next story because it's a bigger story than the last one. Okay. And, and, and the spirit of the age is just going to keep on, well, of course, because it's a bigger story than the, no, no. Until we put an end and vanquish the spirit of the age or whatever it is within our power, God willing to do so. Until that happens, they're just going to keep doing this to you over and over again. If you were lucky enough, which many of you were not, but if you were lucky enough that COVID really didn't impact you that much, they're going to keep trying to find an issue that will. It is coming to you and your house. Hmm. We have to remain vigilant. We have to remain on alert. Well said. We're going to stick around and record the overtime for Blaze TV subscribers. For the rest of you, we will see you tomorrow, noon to 2 Eastern, right after Hall of Famer Glenn Beck here on Blaze TV. Until then, John 317. This is Steve Dace on the Blaze Radio Network.